13 and 8. Like yeah, 13 and 8. It's probably Bobby. <laughs> um, I'll let you I'm going to go with somebody else. I don't know. I might take George, man, just because of all the, the scrutiny he got from the playoffs, which, yeah, he was bad. But, you know, we've been telling people he's a vet. He yep. knows what he's he know he knows his role. That's the thing that makes the Bucks great is yep. when people are looking at the totality of the team, they're looking at it and they're thinking, "Oh, this team's more talented. This team's more talented." But let me tell you something: the Bucks are well coached. Everybody yep. understands their role. We don't even have our full roster right now, and yep. we can just we can just plug guys in because they understand the role that they're going to have to fill. That's what that yeah. is what makes a great team. And then you add the best player in the entire league that you're in any league. And it's just like, okay, it's a match made in heaven now. What's up, Taylor? So we're going to start with What's the up, Badgers man? today, but Jake and I are just having a little bit of discussion on the Bucks as we start the show off. Yep. Um, just kind of talking about some of the some of the underrated performers that the Bucks have had so far. You know, I want to throw this out there. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about the Bucks more in a little bit, but Chris Middleton was shooting threes today. Uh-oh. So he's he was, he was doing dribbling work yesterday. He was shooting threes today, so... He's he's so gonna be, be making back threes. Soon. <laughs> oh yeah, baby! I'm excited, dude. Uh, dude, the Bucks are just getting started. It feels like forever since they played, man. I know. Seriously, I know. Oh, That's why, like, even watching the preseason games, it's like, oh, basketball is back. Like, I'm, oh, yeah. I'm so happy basketball yeah. is back. No, the weather's it's... getting cold, but basketball is back. It just gives me a reason to stay inside, baby. <laughs> <laughs> right. Which reminds me, now that we're on the subject of basketball, um. Next Wednesday, uh, there will be no recap because the Badgers football team is on bye this week. There will be no recap. There will be a preview next week. Today, there's going to be recap and no preview. But um, next week, we are going to do our Badger basketball primer. So we're going to get into like what's going on with the Badger basketball team um, ahead of the, um, the season. So we're going to start with that next Wednesday. Um, Mikey will be back to join us for that, our Badger guy. Um, so we're going to do that next week, but we're going to start with the football team today and we're going to start on offense and let's recap the badgers offense and yes taylor does have our back in those comment sections taylor real quick i'm just going to let you know because i i'm not being nice to people that aren't nice anymore it's going to sound kind of harsh but if you're going to act like a dick i'm no longer going to be nice um jake and i are truly dedicated to our our vision of wanting to really help change the mindsets. So we're for Wisconsin sports fans, we're not going to pander to people um, who still choose negativity, especially when it's stemming from a post that we make of like, Hey, here's how you can look on the bright side, or here's how you can find a silver lining. And then people are still going to come and be negative. We're, we're not going to, we're not going to pander to that anymore. Taylor said he can be sassy. Yeah, that's, that's fine. I went from, like, you know what? I'm not even going to be sarcastic in my responses anymore or ignore it. Like, I'm just going into the negativity and I'm meeting it with the same energy uh, with the opposite side of the coin. So um, I'm not I'm not pandering to the people that, that want to be dicks, especially if they're going to do it to other people. Um, and we're going to continue to try to reach our target audience. And that's Wisconsin sports fans that want to think more positively. So, um, yeah, we're not going to. We're not going to pander to those that don't want to stick around with that. So, um, you know, we want to make a real difference. So, um, Isaac, we will be getting to the Bucks. We're going to recap the Badgers game, and we're going to start with the offense. So I will let Jake go first. 
I got a question for you first. Okay. Has Jim Leonard locked up the head coaching position for next season? All right. If I had to put a number on it from one to 10, how locked up he's got it from zero being the doors wide open and 10 being locked, locked. and padlocked. I'd say like a 7.5. Okay. See, I'm thinking it, he's it's his. Like it's not it's not padlocked, but they shut the door, they turned the lock like he'd have to do a little bit of extra work to get out of it, but like at, for to me it's it's his. It's his job. Love um, you too, Taylor. They just, the guy. They they just they just play so hard for him and I I love yeah. it. Don't so don't pass him like we did. Yeah, yeah, for real. That guy went on to win a national championship at LSU. That's got to sting. <laughs> um, um, yeah. I, as far as Jim Leonard is concerned, I mean, if if I so I gave my one to ten. So if you're on a five, which no. is we're going to interview other candidates and we're going to, you know, keep you in the loop, or we're, we'll consider you as well. I think he's in between somewhere in the we'll consider you and this is your job. Um, I think he's right in the middle of that because they're through three games. They're two and one. They've performed well in all three games. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, And I think that's important. So, you know, more winning obviously is going to increase that. Um, And if you ask me two weeks from now after the Badgers play again um, and the Badgers play well, um, that number will for sure go up. I will say the we posted the the quotes from Zach Helprin, who is one of the guys who's pretty close to the Badgers, um, about Jim Leonard after the game in the locker room detailing his vision for the program should he receive the full-time job. Um, that made me want him to have the job more. Um, I'm, I'm sure you would agree with that, mm-hmm. but... Oh, 100%. And I love... The thing that I really like that kind of was just like, all right, that's nail in the coffin is after the game when they're jumping around and they're all having fun and he's in the middle. It's like, that's the camaraderie. That's, that's the team bonding. That's the love, you know, like that's the passion. And, you know, he was a very passionate player. He put, he left it all on, on the field. So if he can translate that somehow and get that energy out to an entire 53 man roster or whatever, how many people are on a football college football team hundred, that's amazing. That, that would be amazing. Lever's got this locked up. That's why he stayed when the NFL was calling. I also, UW Powers were up. Yeah, that's tough. That's tough. I never thought that we would fire a coach in the middle of the season. I'm not trying I to I didn't like, think they'd do it in the middle of the season. Again. I thought it would be at the but end that of the was, season. That was crazy to me. I thought we were just about to – I thought me and you were about to be like, all right, we're going to take our lumps this year, and obviously we've taken our lumps, and we're going to have to try yep. to stay positive. And yep. But, you know, this Jim Leonard thing is kind of giving us a little bit of juice, and I like it. Yeah. And they're still not out of the, the race in the West, so don't they're give not. up. Yeah. Illinois, it's, Illinois is isn't chance. safe yet. It's a slim chance, but you're telling me there's a chance? I will take it, man. Give me a puncher's chance, they're especially with a team that plays hard. Yeah. Um. um I'm going to stick by what I said, that I think the the job will be his unless he decides he doesn't want it. Um, but yeah. the the comments that he was making this past weekend makes me like makes me feel that he does want the job. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, to me, is enough 
to to pretty much think that the job is his. Um, and it's just kind of a formality of going through the rest of the season. Yeah, I agree. I agree. All right. So let's get into this recap versus Purdue. Uh, Badgers won this game 35-24. I don't care what anybody says. It should have been 35-17 because he was 100% short. Um, We were kicking their ass at that point, so I was kind of like, eh, nuance. What's the difference? But still matters, you know, when you look at the totality of of stats, right? And we we talk a lot about stats on this show. So the Badgers had 381 total yards, 203 passing, 178 rushing. Love that balance. Honestly, love that balance. That too, balance. Um, I love the the balance of the play calling. Twenty nine rush attempts, twenty one pass attempts. Love that. Absolutely love that. Only positives can come out of that. Seriously, um, we gave up two sacks, four tackles for loss, one pass defense, and two quarterback hurries. That's an average day. I can live with that. I honestly can live with that. You know, uh, D one college football team. Now Purdue's not you know, in Alabama or, you know, this year at Tennessee or in Ohio State. But they're still a formidable team. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they were 5-2 and two coming into this game. They get yep. NFL prospects. Uh, Rondell Moore is a recent one. Uh, George Karlofkis just was in the draft yep. this year, was one of the high, highly touted uh, pass rushers. I mean, Purdue gets players. Yep. So beating, manhandling they just the wood like on them. Nebraska last week too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree. Isaac said, just feed Braylon Allen. Dude is a monster. Yeah, he's a stud. He's an absolute stud. Um, if I, I would I still want to see him one-on-one with a DB, like 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 running at each other. You know, like when the DB – I don't think he's ever going to get a one-on-one. He's not because they run him inside too much. And they never get him in space. But if that moment happens, I promise you that DB will have to make a, a business decision. And it would be him getting out of the way. Kind of like when Giannis comes down the lane, you're kind of like – It would be like jumping at his legs would be what it is. I It would be Oklahoma drill. I mean, he would he would absolutely manhandle I would not go high on Braylon Allen. No, no. <laughs> Otherwise, he'll come out like Ooh, seeing stars. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I they were too afraid on third down as well. So that could be a little bit better. But other than mm-hmm. that, I love this game. This game was awesome. Very well balanced. So – um, I know Mike would appreciate this because he was very critical of Bordellini last week. Um, Bordellini was the jumbo tight end this week instead of Tyler Beach. Um, so that was a change mm-hmm. they made with the offensive line. Um, kind of a theme with Wisconsin football teams this week. Um, yeah. I got to say, the first touchdown that they scored, that play call was flawless. Absolutely flawless. That was a perfect play call. So they start the play right off the bat. It's play action. I'm already in. (laughs) (laughs) They get, they get two guys running up the, up towards the sideline at different depths. And the cornerback is caught in the middle. And basically um, the Badgers had run this play in practice all week. And Purdue had been giving up the, the short route. They've been covering. um, It was Skylar Bell that was in the back of the end zone. Um, and the cornerback actually came up and covered DK on the short route. So all Graham Mertz had to do was toss it to the back of the end zone, and they had an easy touchdown. Um, that really started a trend that I noticed throughout the entire game, and the trend was Graham Mertz throwing the ball on the run. He, well dude, they rolled him out a bunch of times, which I think is part of the low sack number is they were rolling him out a lot. 
Mm-hmm. He was throwing on the run so well, like the entire game. Now, the second touchdown they scored, it was where they had 14 points at this point because the defense got a touchdown. But they get into their second possession. The touchdown to Kimmeray DK. Did you notice what started that play before the ball was even snapped? No, tell me. Kimmeray DK was on the left side. Mm-hmm. Graham Mertz motioned him over to the right side and sent mm-hmm. him out on a like a, a little road into the flat. They were on like the like the four yard line, I think. And then mm-hmm. DK made a really nice play to get the ball and then to spin back inside and get into the end zone. Graham Mertz made a pre-snap read that resulted in a touchdown. That's a big step for Graham Mertz. Yes, his sir. decision, his pre-snap stuff. Uh, you can see Jake and I are both smiling because we're excited. That's a big step for Graham Mertz is making those pre-snap yep. reads and taking that next step. That's the next step for Graham Mertz. He's got the physical ability. He's mm-hmm. made some nuts throws this year. He's made throws that like, like, damn, that's a that's throws that only his guys can catch. Mm-hmm. Where he's gotten tripped up this year is two things. One of them is bad offensive line play, which seems to have been corrected the last couple weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, outside of certain times during the Michigan State game, but all in all, it's been better. Um, mm-hmm. and then the other thing was just just this is decision making. Um, what's up, yep. Simon? Um, just his decision making. So, you know, trying to to over make plays, um, things like that. Um, so to see Graham Mertz doing things on the cerebral side of the football game, that was a big step for me from Graham Mertz was to make that motion that resulted in a touchdown. Um, so I really, really, really wanted to hammer that home. Um Yes, sir. So <laughs> the Right before halftime, the offensive line did have some penalties that kind of stalled the drive. Um, Andy Vujnovic, that dude, he might get some NFL calls. I'm not going to lie. He's he's a good punter, man. (laughs) Dude, the one that he punted, um, it was, I think it was Charlie Jones, the Purdue's number one wide receiver, who did not seem like he had 10 catches. But um, no, he comes running out. He lets the ball bounce behind him. It bounces twice inside the 10 and then rolls out of bounds. Right next to the pile on like the two yard line, yep. like, oh, that's coffin corner punt to a T. Yeah. Yes, sir. <laughs> so we get into second half. Um, second play, Braylon Allen scores. Um, actually, that was their yeah, that was their first drive in the second half. Um, I, what what does Jake Eschenbach do? to deserve an offensive pass interference call while running a route? Well, are you asking me, like, my opinion, or are you asking me, like, letter of the law? I mean, I guess both. Give me give me the, the head and the heart analytic. Well, I guess – so, by rule, you're not allowed to, like, make an unnatural movement during your route to make it look like you're a blocker. Or extend your arms, you know, to to create a competitive advantage, which I don't know if I saw either of those things, to be honest. I don't think so. Um, yeah, I don't think so either. Uh, he's basically running a route, and the dude ran into him. Like, not allowed to run routes, but whatever. Well, I mean, and then, then you go to the Packer game, and Eric Stokes gets a terrible, terrible uh, illegal contact call on him. Freaking fumble return for a touchdown on that yeah. play. Through. So annoying. Change, uh, changed the whole game. It did, um, among other things. But we'll get into that on Friday. Uh, 
And then we get into my last week's X Factor, which was Isaac Garendo, who didn't really get a lot of touches in the Michigan State game, but did have some some key plays yes, that sir. helped the Badgers take that game in overtime. This game, he makes a key play, and it's a 54-yard touchdown. After that, um, the Badgers still had a couple decent plays, um, but after that, they were pretty much just looking to run clock. But as far as the offense goes, the play action was working really well. Graham Mertz is making good decisions and good throws and pre-snap reads. Braylon Allen's Braylon Allen. Isaac Rendo had a long touchdown. Pretty much everything you'd want from the Badgers offense in this game. Yep. They were very well balanced. Everybody was hitting. The backup running back scoring 50-yard touchdowns. It feels like Wisconsin football, right? (laughs) Yeah, right. Um, So as we kind of transition here, I just want to throw this out there. Um, that being the, the long touchdown by Garendo, the Badgers having a drive that started at the 12 yard line and having Mm -hmm. a defensive touchdown, those three things lead to the time of possession being lopsided. So we look at the the time of possession. Um, I don't remember what the exact number was. I think it was like 25 to 35 to 23 or something. 35 to 35. Okay. Yep. So. That, looking at the Badgers, look at where the Badgers started their drives. So they started at their own 24, their own 20, their own 16, their own 28, their own 25. Then the Purdue 14-yard line, and then 22, 25, 25, and then their own 42, and their own 48. Mm-hmm. So looking <laughs> looking at their touchdown drives. So this is their touchdown drives. Two minutes, 26 seconds. Three minutes, 59 seconds. 12 seconds, one minute and 30 seconds. So total on their four touchdown drives, they used eight minutes and seven seconds to score four touchdowns. <laughs> Jeez. That's insane. They had efficiency. <laughs> That's just two minute offense all the time. Eight minutes and seven seconds with to the score Packers four run. touchdowns. That's insane. That's that's well done. All right. So switching well to the done. defense, um, no Nick Herbig, but give me your thoughts on the Badger defense. I was – I'm not going to say impressed, but I think they were okay. I think they were good. Um, John Torsio, man, that guy's really creating a name for himself, isn't he? Yeah. Another spectacular game. Ten tackles, pass defense, uh, pick yep. six, another one, a thirty-one yarder. Um, he's just he's doing his thing. Uh, Badgers had two sacks, four tackles for loss, three pass defense, the touchdown, and they forced three turnovers in this game. So they forced turnovers at such a high rate. That's why they're still an elite defense. While they're giving up yards, they it seems different, more focused. Their, their energy. They're playing hard. Yeah, I agree. They are playing hard. Um, yeah. I, I just had to teach my stepson this lesson, actually. So we had our final game on the same day as the Badgers, oh, except okay. ours is earlier. Right. And, you know, one of the kids, he's not the best. He's just learning. I put him in at quarterback for the first time all year. And I'm like, all right, remember, this is the play. We have one, two, three, four, five, you know, to make it easy for the kids, like, and I'm like, okay, you're going to call this play, right? So he rolls out. He's looking. He's looking. He's a little guy. He's a really, really little, little guy. And he throws it up. The guy picks it off. 
and he runs it back for a touchdown. Immediately, I go look at everybody else. I'm not looking at him for throwing the interception, right? I go look at everybody else because I want to see who's putting their head down because this is going to be a lesson. Mm-hmm. I saw my stepson was the only one not running back. So you know what I did? I went up to I said, go sit down until I know you're going to run. I said, everybody else ran after him and tried to tackle him. Not really tackle because we're playing flag football. He was like, why did I get taken out? I didn't throw the interception. I said, you can control two things, Aiden. Your mindset and the energy that you put forth. I said, we have a little girl on our team. Her name is Maggie. Best player on the team. I said, I would take 10 Maggies over you. You want to know why? Because Maggie does exactly what I say, and she runs hard every single play. I'll take 10 Maggies over one Aiden, even though Aiden is by far a better player. He's fast. He can catch. He can throw. He does it all. But it's up here. It's the attitude. The defense is playing with that edge. They're playing with that energy. And I love every single bit of it. It's going through the entire team, right? And it's led by Jim Leonard. And honestly, I I didn't see this coming. So I'm just pleasantly shocked. I'm happy that it's happening because it's my team, right? And this defense plays with energy, and they just make shit happen, like the three turnovers. It's just something – there's just something beautiful about it, man. I mean, we held them to five of 16 on third down. Not bad. They were three or four on fourth down, which is kind of eh. I mean, we got them to fourth One down. One of them shouldn't count. I agree. Uh, but, I mean, we got them to fourth down, and they, they converted them. Credit to you, you know, right. for converting three out of four fourth downs. Yeah. But they they had a, they ran a lot more plays than us in that time of possession at 10 minutes. 33 rush attempts and 46 pass attempts. <laughs> More than double our pass attempts. So all I can say for this Badgers team is just continue to give effort. And honestly, I don't care what the numbers say because stats can be misleading, right? Right. Well, like I said, that's, that's you know, the, the amount of plays run, it really ties into the time of possession because obviously if you have the ball more, hypothetically you're running more plays. It's They correlate. Um, <clears throat> so I mentioned no Nick Herbig. Obviously he's the best player on the Badgers defense. Um, yep. what I noticed was John Torchio for the first five or six plays, I think it was the first five plays. So I think he intercepted the sixth play. Um, John Torchio was essentially playing Nick Herbig's spot on the defense. He was, he was rushing the passer. He was in the box. Was what I noticed. Cause I'm like, Oh, that's, that's Torchio. I'm like, he's up in the box. Um, the first like five plays. And then he talked about it after the game that he knew that that was the play that Purdue was going to run. So he had to kind of hold himself back because he wanted to jump the route. But he's like, I got to wait until he's ready to throw the ball so I can go get it. Not mm-hmm. that he gets there early. And then, you know, he moves on to his next read. So Torchio is like getting getting ready. You can watch the play. If you rewatch the play, so you rewatch the highlight of his pick six, you can see like, obviously you can see the Purdue guy running his curl route. And you could just see John Torchio's shadow come up as he's raking his route. And then you see Torchio just run in front of it and grab the ball and go for his pick six. Um, so it's cool because you just see you just see his shadow coming and then boom, he's in front of the ball and he's running the other way. Um, I will say the Badgers did a good job on third down in red zone, um, being able to hold Purdue to three points on their first um their first real threat. Um and John Torchio, he's just everywhere everywhere on mm-hmm. on this game making tackles knocking down passes intercepting passes obviously scoring touchdowns um mm-hmm. purdue had a couple big plays to their tight end 
Um, they got a stop on third down. Um, and then let's see. Um, as far as cornerbacks, I will say, I believe Alexander Smith and Justin Clark did a really good job on Charlie Jones, Purdue's number one wide receiver. He did finish with 10 catches for 105 yards. It didn't feel like that at no. all. No. Um, so I will say that. Um, and then that punt by Vujnovic, that punt essentially kept Purdue from getting points right before halftime. Yep. If they get the ball at the 40-yard line or 50-yard line, you know, it's a different story. Um, first possession of the second half, Purdue runs the ball. They get a one-yard run. Second play gets a, a pass batted down at the line of scrimmage, and the third play is a Torchio interception. Um, second possession for Purdue in the second half. A sack, a screen that gets blown up, and then a pass that gets them back to the original line of scrimmage and a punt. Badgers came out of halftime ready to go on defense. Yes, sir. Uh, they carried that energy over. They didn't rest on their lead, which is something I think is important. Um, Purdue moved the ball a little bit on their third on their third possession, but the fumble punt gave them a second chance and gave Purdue their first touchdown. Um, unfortunately, another theme with Wisconsin sports this week. Um, I want to give C.J. Getz a little bit of uh, credit for playing well in the run game. Um We've been calling for others besides Nick Herbig and Keanu Benton to step up um, on the Badgers' defense in the front seven. Um, mm-hmm. I will say I think Jake Cheney has done that a bit, and then CJ gets Jordan Turner is getting there. Um, I think he's got opportunity to continue growing in that aspect. But I wanted to give CJ Getz some credit. Um, and then let's see if there's anything else I wanted to throw out there. Um, yeah, and then the terrible call on the goal line. I mean, what's the what's the point of having review if you're not even going to get it right after you review it? He clearly did not move the marker. If anywhere, <laughs> he got back to the line. He was lucky. Yeah, because he got he met in that hole. Definitely, a, at least a good foot short. Oh yeah. Um, and then late in the game, Jordan Turner got an interception off the hands of the tight end. It wasn't Durham, their really good tight end who had been playing really well the whole game. Yeah. Um, it was off their their second tight end. Um, so he's massive, by the way. Yeah, so dude, he big looks, boy, and he's eighty seven. So like, he kind of looks like Gronk. I'm not gonna lie. And he made some tough big boy catches, man. Dude, he made that one handed catch on their first touchdown. Yeah, that was a nice. And Turner got catch, destroyed dude. on play action on that. By the way, yeah, I was gonna. I didn't want to mention that, but he got. You gotta trust your eyes, buddy. But yeah. it was a hell of a catch. Good throw. Yeah. too. let's give credit to the yep. quarterback, but. I mean, yeah, and he had one uh, later where he was just going over the middle and he was getting sandwiched between two Badgers. And it was like, that probably didn't feel good for eight yards. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> well, wasn't was that right after he had like a 27-yard gain too? Yeah, that, I think that they was that same drive. two big plays to the tight end. And then after that, they did like, let's see, I had it written down. They had two big plays to the tight end. And then, were they fumble after that? Touchdown, 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 caught, interception. Uh, don't know. Looks like Tyler might have froze here. So, I don't know if anybody else had any comments about the Badgers game. What did you think? Uh, Bill, you seem like you know like your stuff. 
Um, so I think I'm just going to move on to three stars here. So I'll start with my first star. And I was, I was hoping Tyler was going to be here for this one. But I did put Isaac Garendo on there. Um, he had seven carries, 72 yards, touchdown, obviously the 54-yarder. That was a long. But, yeah, I thought Isaac Garendo um, and the reason that he's on there um, spoiler alert, I don't have Braylon Allen. I could put Braylon Allen on here every week. Kind of like, you know, when we do three stars for the Packers, you know, I could, I could probably put Aaron Jones on there every week, even though he doesn't touch the ball. He's clearly one of our best players, best performers. But Isaac Garendo, his ability to be a big play, I think is something that um, is is was missing from this team. So having that home run hitter, um, Badgers have had that forever. I mean, Monte Ball was a home run hitter. James White back in the day, Melvin Gordon, obviously. I mean, he had one of the best statistical seasons in NCAA history. I know everybody's going to remember him um, in the NFL, but if you look up his his college highlights, he w- he was him. That's all I'm going to say. Um, so Isaac Arendo's uh, ability to be a big play, and not that Brandon Allen isn't, but having another guy that can do that, you know, just adds that little bit more to the offense. Um, my next guy, and again, I was hoping Tyler was going to be in here because he mentioned him and he didn't know. We don't talk about our three stars or nothing. We just do our notes through, through what we think up here. And, uh, that's what we get. Um, so for me, I put Jake Cheney in there, uh, five total tackles, four solo, a sack, one and a half tackles for loss. Um, phenomenal. He's been playing high energy going, 100% balls to the wall, and that's what you need. Um, I'm going to answer a question here. Bernard, for the second time in 29 minutes and 54 seconds, asked, do y'all think Aaron Rodgers is overrated? No, Bernard, we do not. I'm just going to talk for Tyler because I know he feels the same way. No, we do not. Um, we think that the entire offense is struggling. Um, that's the crazy thing about the Packers. If I could just talk about them for a second, um, the offensive line struggling seems like it was fixed last week. seems like they were better. Um, the receivers are, some of them aren't running the right routes. They're dropping passes. Um, the running backs, I don't have any complaints about the running backs. They just got to touch the damn ball (laughs) point blank period. And Rogers, as he does, doesn't have the same accuracy. He's still giving catchable footballs. Um, and guys just got to make plays. Uh, sometimes you got to help the quarterback out. Just like how the quarterback's got to help the wide receivers out by not getting them killed. I think that sometimes the wide receivers have to help the quarterback out. And at the trade deadline, I'm sure we're going to bring this up, but I think uh, I think they got to they gotta swing for the fences. Uh, this is the first time that I really feel like that. The last couple of years, I was kind of like, we're all right. We can survive. We can survive. We can do this. I like our team. I like our roster, but there's just obviously something missing in this mixture of the 2022 Packers. Bill says when opposing defenses know that the Badgers have two prospective home run hitters, they have to plan for it. Garendo gives us that. I 100% agree, Bill. That is exactly why he is in there. He's another threat. And I do like Malusi. Uh, I feel like Malusi has that spot over him because he's a little bit more of a dual threat. He can catch the ball, run the ball. He can do both things. Um, so my last star is nobody other than John Torshio. This was a John Torshio game. Uh, as Tyler mentioned before, as he always does, he brings great great stuff every week, man. Um, talks about him in the box, lining up in the Nick Herbig role, jumping routes. He does he does it all. 
Uh, John Torshio has become a star for the Wisconsin Badgers defense. Like I said, 10 total tackles, three solo tackles, a pass defense, and one house call. I mean, what, what else could you want for this guy? James said in slightly other news, TSU and LSU, random, still has a chance to win their respective conferences. LSU still has a chance to win their conference? That is actually shocking to me. I know that there is – is there an east-west over there or is it a north-south or or what is it over there for – for uh sec i don't i don't i don't know how that one works but i think aren't they in uh are they in the same one as bama which would be the the north or whatever because i know that tennessee is probably running away with the other side i know right east west they have to be bama though oh okay okay that'll be tough if they beat bama i would be shocked honestly but they just who the hell did they just handle last weekend? Uh, Mississippi State or something like that. They're in the SEC West. Yeah, because Tennessee and like Florida and all them, they're in the East. Okay. Yep, Badgers are in the West as well, man. And they still have a chance. Um, damn, let me uh, let me find this real quick here. I have a photo of what needs to happen. I have to go in our Badgers chat because I put it in there, but – um, I have a photo of what needs to happen for the Badgers to win. And it's like, when you think about it, it's like not crazy in my mind, at least, um, to win their final four games. So, I mean, that's, that's obvious Win your games, win, do handle your business. So they play Maryland, Nebraska, Iowa, and Minnesota. That's not something that, you know, is unreal. Um, Illinois to lose three of their five. Uh, we were going over there again. They play like. Oh, who the heck do they all play? They play Nebraska this week, then they play Michigan State, Purdue, they play Purdue. Uh, Michigan, <clears throat> and Northwestern. So, I mean, they're losing to Michigan. That is, that's happening. So, if they lose to, to Michigan State, Purdue, and Nebraska, two of those three, the Badgers have a chance. And then the last thing they need is Purdue to lose one of their last four. So, that's obviously one I can see. Oh, Bernard agrees. I answered a question. Bernard said, do you think A-Rod is overrated? And he said he agreed with my answer. A-Rod is still the man. Um, there's no question about it. The people – and Tyler shared a poll, and it honestly ruined my day a little bit. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm a little mad at you for ruining my day the other day, but <laughs> it wasn't your fault. Hey, it, we're, we're here to try, to try to help with this kind of stuff. I know, but it's just – it's getting – freaking ridiculous man there was Indicative a poll of the it. fan base is what it is it was it was talking about uh what was it do you blame Rogers who would you rather move on from who would you rather move on from that's what it was and people really picked aaron Rodgers, and it wasn't close it was like 77 percent aaron Rodgers to 23 percent matt lafleur and you want to know <laughs> all right so first of all i think i think this first thing is happening rival fans were talking we're voting on there Obviously, they want us to get rid of Rodgers. And two, people were voting with political views, which is just stupid. Yeah. We've we've been advocates for separating personal things from football, but it's yeah, tough for it's, people to do. I get it. Bill, it's it's insane, man. The guy gives us gives us 17 years of his life, blood, sweat, and tears, wins four MVPs, gives us a Super Bowl. And all the people are like, only one Super Bowl. 
Are you serious right now? Some people literally die before their team wins a fucking Super Bowl. Dude, like, did you? Come you on. know what bothered me more was the guy. I think it was guy that was Nick was arguing with yesterday that said he would give Lombardi back to get rid of Rogers. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So now that my now that my technical difficulties are gone, um, look, if people would be willing to trade for Matt Ryan, you're telling me that people wouldn't be willing to have Aaron Rodgers on their team? Come on, man. I'm so mad. I didn't even look because Nick only tagged me and stuff. There's nothing against Nick. Only tagged me and stuff when people say literally the most ridiculous thing of all time. And it's like, why? Why would you say that? Why? Where did you find these people? <laughs> How did you think of that and pull that out of your ass and then write it? Like, why? Oh, man. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. You got to get deep in there to find stuff like that, too. Well, not for him, maybe. You know, I don't know what his life's like. <laughs> maybe that was on top. <laughs> maybe that was the best he's got. <laughs> Yikes. Yeah. All right. Did you give all three of your three stars? I did. I did. All right. Do who were they? Just, I, I just tell me who I, they were. I said Isaac Arendo, uh okay. Jake Cheney, and okay. the man, the myth, the legend, John Torchio. Wow. John right. John John House Call Torchio is what I'm gonna call John him. John House Call Torchio. I'm with that. <laughs> um so my three, I obviously had Torchio. Uh, I'm sure you gave all of his stats. My second one, I put Graham Mertz, um 10, 13 of 21, 61.9 completion percentage, 203 or 203 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Um Throwing on the run really well, and like I was hammering on before, those pre-snap adjustments for him to recognize that, that's a big, big step for Graham Mertz. <clears throat> and then for my third, so I put Braylon Allen. Um, 16 carries for 113 yards and a touchdown. He broke a lot of tackles. Um, and, you know, just 7.1 yards per carry, that's that's just – that feels like Wisconsin football. Yes, um, For my underrated performer, did you give an underrated performer? No, I did not. All right, why don't you do that? Because I'm interested to see what you say. Well, I was going to go with Graham Mertz, and I was going to go with some minuscule things like throwing on the run and reading the oh. defense. That's why I was smiling so hard when you were talking about it. I, was like, <laughs> I can't come up with nothing slick anymore, bro. Like, we've been doing this too long. We learned each other. We feed off each other so much that, like, I can't even do no slick shit no more. It's kind of, yeah. But, you know, him just learning the extra nuances of the game you know, like you said, that is the next step. So him just doing that is just like, wow, man. I mean, next year, and it sucks to talk about next year because we still have this year. You know, this yeah. year we we still are in good hands. And next year when he comes back and he gets another year under his belt. Not and, sponsored by Allstate yet, by the way. Not yet. Not yet. Um, But next year, coming into next year, his confidence is just going to be even higher. So hopefully he just keeps balling out, man. Yeah. And, yeah, seeing growth from him and improvement – I don't know why anybody would want anything less for Graham Mertz than to exactly. see continued improvement. Um, Jared, yes, we are covering college football. Uh, we're going to switch to the NBA in a little bit here as well. <clears throat> Bloody hell. <laughs> Crikey. <laughs> uh, Jared is from Australia, for, for those of our viewers and listeners that are now very confused. <laughs> They're like, whoa, why is it random? <laughs> Um, do we think anything with the coaching change had anything to do with Mertz playing better? Honestly, Jake and I have been pretty 100% behind Graham Mertz all season. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I think if we're going to say something like that, since the coaching change, I would say the energy that has helped improve the entire team mm-hmm. has worked some magic on the offensive line, which yep. then benefits Graham Mertz. I'd agree with that. I think just the confidence level and, you know, I keep hammering home the energy, but it just is such a vital, important part in sports is just coming to fucking work. Yeah. (laughs) I, I would like to throw out one other thing too, as far as Graham Mertz is concerned about improvement. Um, Basically Jim Leonard handing the keys to the car of the offense to Bobby Ingram. Yeah. I think that makes a difference. Um, you know, I think, I think it's helped change the identity, not a lot, but just a little, you know, if we're talking about, you know, having a dial that's cranked all the way to the run and, you know, you turn it just a little bit to the pass and it's, you end up with like 70% run plays, 30% pass plays under, you know, Barry Alvarez, Gary Anderson, Brett Bielema ages. Then you get into Paul mm-hmm. Christ and then you're looking at like 65% run, 35% pass. And now I think you're getting a little bit more turning that dial, not a ton, but just just in that 2025 pass range, I think is a is a good area for Graham Mertz to be in, not in like the 15 to 20 passes per game for Graham Mertz, um, which obviously wasn't always the case. But when the Badgers are losing games and they have to throw the ball to try to get back into them, as opposed mm-hmm. to using the pass and the run to set each other up, and I think that play calling has has been more balanced, like Jake said before, um, the 29 runs and 21 passes, that more balanced play calling, I think that makes a difference as well. Mm-hmm. 100%, man. <clears throat> so for my underrated performer, I went with the combination of Skylar Bell and Kimmeray DK. Oh. Um, they're becoming a very strong duo at wide receiver for the Badgers, and then you can add in Keontes Lewis as a deep threat guy. Um Skyler Bell and Kimmeray DK combined for seven catches for 123 yards and two touchdowns. Um, as far as those two players go, the Badgers haven't had over, or haven't had two wide receivers over 16 yards per reception since 2005. Good God, man. <laughs> Skyler Bell is currently at 16.7 yards per catch, and Kimmeray DK is at 16.3 yards per catch. I like it. I want to give Mikey a shout out. He told everybody about Skyler Bell. He did. He he put us all on notice. So if you if you weren't listening, I've been banging the drum for Kimmeray DK for two years. So it's good to see him playing uh, a bigger role this year because I was excited for him last year, but he was kind of overshadowed by Kendrick Pryor and Danny Davis. So it's cool to see him getting his shot this year. Um, hopefully he'll be back next year as well. Um, and he should, he should have an extra year of eligibility with the COVID year. So maybe he'll even play one more, but, um, so as (laughs) as far as the rest of this game goes, um, I wanted to say that I, I believe that this game wasn't as close as the final score indicated. Um, we talked about the the touchdown that shouldn't have been a touchdown. Mm-hmm. And then the um, Purdue scored one other um, one other touchdown with what two minutes, two minutes and 23 seconds left in the game. And then on top of that, there was a muffed punt that led to a touchdown. I'm not saying that those 21 points all wouldn't have happened, 
but you know, just that's 21 points that one came off of a play that shouldn't have been a touchdown. One came off of a, a turnover and the other one came with less than three minutes left in the game of a double digit game. Yeah. So really this game wasn't as close as the final score indicated at the end. Um, before I throw out a couple things to still improve from this game, I want to throw something out here and I'm guilty of it. I know I am of seeing the Badgers winning 21 to zero at the end of the first quarter and seeing that and projecting, Oh, okay. If they do the same thing for three more quarters, they'll win this game 84 to zero. It's, it's a tough thing to not do, but you know, we can't act like just because the Badgers are winning 21 to zero or the Packers are winning say 14 to three, for example, that the game is going to continue going the same way that it's going to go. Um, like I said, I am guilty of this, of seeing the Badgers up 21 nothing at halftime and thinking like, oh, all right, here we go. The Badgers are going to blow Purdue out. Not keeping in mind that the Purdue is a 5-2 and two team. We talked about it during the preview that they're capable of hitting some deep shots. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've they made some nice plays with their tight end. Mm-hmm. So I just want to throw it out there that when things go well in the first quarter or the beginning of the games, we can't just assume that the rest of the game is going to go that way. And, you know, this is something that we can do as fans, but the players are going to be told the same thing. So like Jake and I have played organized sports in our lives. And if we come into a halftime and we're up by say 15 points at the halftime of a basketball game, our coaches are going to be like, all right, here we go. We can coast through the rest of this game. Coach is going to tell you that you want to win the game by 30. You need to keep the energy up. You need to keep doing the same things you were doing in the first half. that got you that 15 point lead in the first place. If you think, oh, we have a 15-point lead, we don't have to continue to try as hard, that's what makes your 15-point lead go away. So, like I said, I'm guilty of it, of projecting what's happening into the future of the rest of the game. Um, you can also use it on the flip side. So, and the, the, I will say, as far as the NFL goes, the Kansas City Chiefs are a perfect example of this. Um, they've been down three times by double digits and won all three of those games this year. If the Badgers, the Packers, the Bucks, the Brewers, this is a perfect example of why you shouldn't be complaining about games in the first quarter, the first inning, you know, whatever it may be, when there's all the rest of the game left. Because the games are not over until they are over. Let the rest of the game play out is, is basically what I'm saying. If the Bucks are down 10 in the middle of the second quarter, do not run to the internet and start crying. Because first of all, we have Giannis. Second of all, the Nets defense is freaking hot trash. So feel pretty good about coming back down 10 points. That's all I'm going to say. All right. So I do want to throw out just a couple of things the Badgers can improve on. Um, tackling, I was I was really yep. hammering on that. Um, in the preview last week, just because Maccabi from Purdue, he's a pretty solid runner. That dude's a walk-on freshman. Yeah, he runs hard. And he's their starting running back, and he's good. Yeah. Um. So you know, good for him, I guess. Um. But <clears throat> Badgers, they still they still have to tackle better. Is is really what I'm looking at. Um. Uh, and then the Badgers, they did still have some drops this week. Um. Kimari DK dropped one on the first drive. That was on the third down. Like you got to catch that, especially when it hits you right in the hands. Um. Yeah. Not only does that make that make you look better, but it also makes your quarterback look better, which. Could potentially chill the fan base out a little bit because there's still people that, oh, Graham Rates isn't the answer. Like, Jake and I have been, like I said before, when um, when the question was asked, 
that, you know, Graham Mertz, Jake and I have been pretty much 100% behind him. Even in the games that he struggled, he was still doing things um, that that gave us confidence in him. Yep. If you <laughs> If you're at this point in the season and you've seen all the good passes he's made and the compare that to the little mistakes he's made and you still don't think that he's like the quarterback that we need, like the best option, you know, going forward, then I, I can't help you. I'm, that's all I'm going to say. That to um, me is where it gets into personal territory. Where exactly. Like you just don't want to admit that you were wrong or that you just don't like him because you don't like pride. Him. Pride. Um, so for my what to improve, I had tackling down as well. And then again, the thing that I keep harping on is penalties. Mm. It's like, Mm-hmm. Purdue was getting their ass whooped. They only have four penalties for 40 yards. The Badgers had nine penalties for 82 yards. You can't be giving teams 80 yeah. free yardage. You can't do that. Um, and, in, and you know, we're talking about the Badgers not being out of the race. Yeah. You're going to need to play some clean football. So clean that up. Start tackling some people. Like Tyler said, DK, you're doing great. Just catch the ball a little bit better. But other than that, I am ecstatic about the direction. Yeah. One last game. thing I want to toss out is third downs. Just be better on third down. I will yeah. say, though, to have 50 plays run and only eight third downs, that is a very good number. That's true. That's a good ratio. <clears throat> yeah, that's that's a, that's a good number of third downs to have if you're running 50 plays. Is there anything else you want to throw out on the Badgers before we switch to the Bucks? No. Uh, week off for them. So, yeah, bye week. Rest, rest up. <clears throat> All right. Well, on the Badgers front, as we switch from football to basketball, we will have our Badger primer next Wednesday. So we're going to preview the Badger season next Wednesday with Mike. Yes, um, but we're going to switch to NBA basketball. The Bucks are back. We have Bucks regular season basketball. Don't have to listen to people bitch about the fact that the Bucks were zero and five in the preseason. Like it matters. Like it, it matters. Doesn't. It does not matter. Nobody gets a trophy for winning in the preseason. Actually, the fact of the matter is, the last time the Bucks were 0-5 in the preseason, they won a championship. That is that true. That is an actual so, fact. Let's start with the Bucks and 76ers game. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I got the... Oh, it's right there. Every week. I wear this thing every week, man. My favorite hat ever. I don't wear it out because I don't want anybody touching it. It stays down here. It's my podcast hat now. My podcast hat. <laughs> All right, so let's start with the Bucks and the 76ers game. What did you want to say from that one? Wow. Um, if you would have told me that Giannis was going was gonna to be barely our leading scorer and we were going to only score 90 points, I would have told you we got our ass whooped. I yeah. really would have. <clears throat> Look at the scores in the NBA lately. It's just crazy, man. We have – 126 to 117 on a regular basis. So a 90 to 88, it's a little bit refreshing. I was actually enjoying watching that game because it feels like they let the players determine it, not just because the yeah. Bucks won. I mean, obviously I'm happy about that. But letting the players determine the game is all I'm freaking asking for, okay? I've, I've definitely hammered on that as far as like the last two minute situations are concerned. Like, let it be about the players and not about the whistles. Exactly. So I um, strongly agree with you on that. The, the players got to execute to win games, right? They got to play yep. defense. They got to play offense. They got to score the ball. They got to run the sets. 
That is the reason that they come up with them, right? We're gonna yep. if you if you let that happen every week, we're gonna find out who the best team is. There's gonna be no oh well if this would happen or if this would happen. Well, they let them determine it. So that's that's exactly what happened. Even though Giannis scored 21 points, had 13 rebounds and eight assists, um, nine of 16, one of three from three, three blocks. My favorite player from this game was Brooke Lopez. Yeah. Um, for a couple of reasons. He was six of 16, not the best percentage. Four of those six are three pointers. Yeah. That, that is massive. Like the Splash Mountain days. Yes. He's back, baby. And, you know, we're going to get, I'm getting a little ahead of myself. When I go to the Rockets game, I saw him, I saw him hit a couple in that game. I was like, he's back. He is back, boy. I'm saying it after <laughs> two games. I don't care. The stroke is looking confident and the back is yeah. looking healthy. Now, he looks young. He looks he's, young. He's moving. He's moving. I still predict that they will manage his minutes tar- towards the middle of the season like they oh, yeah. they will with everybody else. But yep. as of right now, Brooke Lopez's groove, his rhythm, whatever word you want to use, is exactly where it needs to be. And personally, I think that he had the biggest momentum swing in this game. You talked about the Badgers uh, coming out of halftime and just absolutely shutting everything down, right? For me, the biggest momentum switch in this game, because it was still a close game, defensive battle the whole way. Oh, yeah. Brooke Lopez blocked Embiid to start the second half. Embiid was sulking on the floor. He comes down and splashes a three. I was like, all right. I sat up on my couch. I'm like, okay, it's game. Like That felt like a playoff atmosphere for me. You know, because oh, yeah. of low scoring and the defense. And I was like, this game means something, especially, you know, when you get into seeding. And these teams had the same record last year. So when you when you look at that and you're talking about um, seeding and home court advantage, this game, we're going to look back on the first game of the season and be like, this is one of the reasons we have the, the seeding above the 76ers. So Brooke Lopez, five-point swing to start the second half, absolutely mattered. Um, he did that I'm gonna, twice. He did. He had one where he forced a turnover and then came down and hit a three. He's just – and the four threes, like I said, pulled and beat out of the paint, and they they were just timely, it felt like. Um, I do want to talk about Drew Holiday. Yes, he was bad on offense, but he was absolutely phenomenal on the defensive end of the court. Mm-hmm. And he got the final stop of the game when it mattered. So yep. all the people crying about, you know, Drew Holiday, 2 of 15, 0 of 6 from 3, yes, that sucks. But this was a defensive battle. So you know where he was the best player on the floor? on the defensive end. Yep. And I really agree. firmly believe that he was the best player on defense for us. I agree. I agree. And he had the toughest assignment, too. I mean, he was yes. going against Tyrese Maxey and James Harden. Um, <clears throat> uh, Harden when it, when, when it comes to defending James Harden, I want to give Grayson Allen and George Hill also a lot of credit. Um, and Javon Carter. Um, wasn't as often that Javon Carter was on him. But when those guys got switched on to James Harden, there was a conceded effort by the Bucks to force James Harden towards the baseline, towards the outside of the floor. Mm-hmm. Didn't allow him to get middle, which would allow him to go either way to create opportunities for his teammates. Because as much as I don't like James Harden, because I don't respect the way that he plays, James Harden is still a very good playmaker. Um, so, you know, he ended up this game with, with nine assists, I think. But forcing him to go left and right towards the baselines 
Um, he did end up getting, you know, he got his floaters and he got his elbow jumpers. But having James Harden live with contested two-pointers instead of open threes or open layups or driving and having, having to have another defender step up and then letting him drop down to Joel Embiid for dunks, that is still the way you need to defend James Harden because you're not going to stop him. So what you do is you force him to take the hardest shots that he will take and for preferably two points instead of three. I agree with that 100%. Um, Bill said consistent defense no matter what happened on the floor. That's super true, especially when you get into the fourth quarter. The Bucs started like three of 13 on field goals in the fourth quarter and still were tied at that point in the game. But I want to go back earlier, all the way back to the beginning of the game. And uh, what I want to go back to is the fifth starter of the game being Javon Carter. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That, uh, I know that this is something that, you know, Buck's social media probably loved, um, that Javon Carter was getting his opportunity to be the starter, to have a lot of playing time, um, and to still be two for three in this game. Um, he didn't take a ton of shots, but he made the first two that he that he took, and he made and he missed the third one. But um, Giannis, <laughs> Giannis didn't miss a shot until about midway through the second quarter of this game. He was hooping, <laughs> um, and he blocked not only Joel Embiid at the rim, but he also blocked Tobias Harris at the rim trying to dunk. Uh, so Giannis was also in the block party. But this game, the third quarter, belonged to Brooke Lopez. Um, there's, I mean, third quarter, Brooke Lopez, eight points and two blocks. That's that's Brooke Lopez owned the third quarter. Um, yeah. And he forced a couple turnovers from MB as well. Um, with too many people? I'm not sure what he's replying to, so... Um, getting into the fourth quarter, um, defending James Harden. Well, Giannis, the Greek freak. Hey, I don't, (laughs) you're not going to see many bad plays from him. The bloke can play basketball. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love everything about that, man. That was genuine. (laughs) And that was really him. I, I appreciate that, man. I'm not Uh, trying to laugh at you. That would be, that would be great if it was on Twitter. And you go and you reply and make it a quote, and they turn the they turn the tweet into like a really nice like wallpaper quote. <laughs> <laughs> ah, Giannis, the Greek freak. I haven't seen many bad plays from him. That bloke can play basketball. <laughs> like that's just genuinely him, and I love it. Oh, that's awesome. So we get into the fourth quarter. Drew Drew Holiday playing great defense on James Harden. Um, mm-hmm. The Bucks this entire game, I believe, played extremely great defense on Joel Embiid. Uh, making things hard for him at the rim, letting him shoot from beyond the three-point line. Because if if Joel Embiid is shooting from the three-point line, you know what it means? That means Joel Embiid's not in the paint. Yeah. That's a win. If he hits a three, you shrug and you move on to the next play. Yep. You want Joel Embiid to have to beat you from the three-point line, not from the low block. Agreed. So that and then, you know, when Joel Embiid was down there, Brooke Lopez played great defense on him. Serge Ibaka played some good defense on him as well. I want to get into Wesley Matthews, the unsung hero of this game. He doesn't get a lot of credit because he's an old guy on a veteran contract who's just here to play defense. Um, 
And and Bill just said it again. You could tell the 76ers were frustrated by the way they were coming on defense. Um, no hustle. I've said that about James Harden probably about 750,000 times because I watched their last playoff game when they were getting eliminated by the Heat and they're down by double digits and James Harden's just walking up and down the court. He literally gave up on his team and that pissed me off. Oh, it made me so mad. There's six dudes on the end of that bench that would love to say they checked into a playoff game, but you're just walking back, skulking back and forth. Can't stand that. That's one of the reasons I will never respect James Harden's game. Despite yeah. him having things that he could do. And he's he's capable of playing good defense. But he chooses not to. And like then I've he, he then Def- doesn't hustle. Def- and he's Defense forced himself heart. off of two teams in the last two years. That dude is a cancer to every team he's been on. And you bring it up, and I'm glad you brought it up, because I said it to Jake during this game that Joel Embiid was not playing with hustle, and like you said, hanging his head. And I'm like, maybe a new teammate rumming off on him? Just throwing it out there. Could be. This is why chemistry and culture is important. And the, you know, we talk about the Bucks basically having the exact same team from last year. That stuff matters. It matters. So let's do this little hypothetical real quick. Since they talked about it so much last year, who won the trade between the 76ers and Nets? In my opinion, nobody. Nobody won the trade. Uh, the Nets are getting literally zero, basically zero out of Ben Simmons. He's doo-doo dog water only and, reason i could say the nets may be winning that trade is because they got seth curry and because simmons is younger but you know if you're really looking at it harden i mean harden has had some games i mean he had 31 8 9 in this game yep. 13 to 24 one of seven from three so six of his nine misses were from the three-point line he still kept jacking them up but he Honestly, if I was him, I would have kept going in the paint, doing the floater, and then doing a little step back to my right. He was absolutely murdering us with that. Uh, but you know what? You know who won that, that was trade? also on uh, – who am I thinking of? Big hair. Can't think of his name right now. Doesn't play no defense. He's really good at shooting on the Bucks. Can't think of his name. Blanking. Jordan Wara? Jordan Wara. Jordan Wara allowed James Harden to get on fire. I'm just going to say that right yeah. now. Yeah. He was getting cooked. If it wasn't for Nawara, Harden wouldn't have done doo-doo squat. She forgot. He forgot Simmons. Simmons was in the NBA. Yeah, he's yeah he's from Australia. I mean, five um, points per game is pretty forgettable. I'll say that. <laughs> on on the subject of who won that trade, my honest answer would be the rest of the Eastern Conference. Hey, you're not wrong. I'm not wrong. Because not Pretty... only you know not only are you know pieces being swapped back and forth, but now you're basically having to start over from from chemistry and everybody knowing their role. You start all over again by swapping superstars like that. Superstars. Well, superstar and money and a and a tall guy. And <laughs> yeah, Bill, um, I agree. No so anyway, back to Wesley Matthews. <laughs> yeah, I want to give I want to give Wesley Matthews credit because he finished with eight points, five rebounds, and two assists in this game. Mm-hmm. One of the threes that he hit ended up being the game winner. Um. Yeah, I mean Simmons is basically the opposite of Harden. Makes things harder on defense <laughs> and you know easier on offense for for the Bucks when they're defending it. Wesley Matthews hit a three that ended up being the game winner. Um, 
he also the the points that tied the game. Wesley Matthews got an offensive rebound. And then Grayson Allen cut to the basket, and Wesley Matthews found Grayson Allen as he was cutting for a layup. That tied the game late in the fourth quarter. So -hmm. not only did Wesley Matthews hit the big three that gave the Bucs the lead back, but he also had an offensive rebound and an assist to Grayson Allen for second chance points that tied the game. Hey, great cut by Allen, too. Let's call that out. Okay, so I was was tweeting for Behind the Buck Pass during this game. I was doing the live tweeting for this game. Uh, I said it was an underrated aspect of this game was Grayson Allen driving to the basket. Yes. He was doing it with the ball and without the ball. And so he was very underrated with, aspect. He was working with lethal shooter this offseason, and his jumper yep. looks he looks comfy. That's all I'm gonna say. Yeah. He changed yeah. his number, so that might be that might help him. I don't know. It's one <laughs> of those weird things. Um, so I wanted to give Wesley Matthews credit. Um and then Got to make your free throws when you want to beat good teams. Um, the Bucks were able to escape with this one, but looking at um, fundamental failures, this is something that I do for every basketball game um, that comprises of three things, which is missed free throws, second chance points, and points off turnovers. This is these are three categories that I believe stem from three main fundamentals of basketball: being making your free throws. Boxing out your opponents, which is where second chance points comes from, and then taking care of the ball, not committing turnovers, which is where points off turnovers comes from. So I compile these points. Uh, I did it. Um, I started this with right after the All Star break last year, and the Bucks lost to the Nets coming out of the All Star break by three points. And in that game, fifty nine fundamental failure points, which is missed free throws, second chance points, and points off turnovers. I went back and I looked at the entire season and I added it all up. The Bucks had an average of 33 points for fundamental failures per game, being those three categories added up. The Bucks missed five free throws this game. They only gave up five second chance points, which is a great number. It's very low. And only 13 points off turnovers, which is also still pretty low, for a total of 23. So... This is a situation where the Bucs won this game by two points and were 10 points under their fundamental failure average from last year. That's that's massive. You can point to that and say, if the Bucs don't play the fundamental, you know, play fundamentally, they don't win that game. That's before you even get to field goal percentages. Yeah. So fundamentals, absolutely massive for this game. Um, and then I just want to throw Bobby Portis's 11 points and 10 rebounds. That's a very Bobby Portis stat line. <laughs> Yeah, I agree. <laughs> um, is there anything else you want to say about the 76ers game? I think one thing before I forget is we talked about James Harden having nine assists. He had the ball mm-hmm. in his hands a lot. The point guard on that team is Tyrese Maxey. Zero assists. Ooh. 15 points, two rebounds, zero assists. Six of 13, 0 for 3 from 3. And think about his points that he scored. A lot of them were on leak outs. Yep. So, I mean, I'm, shit, I'd be damn near 10 of the 15 were probably from leak outs. I can think of at least six to eight. I can think, of, on, like, I transition can think of eight. Yeah. So, think about that. Maxi not playing well. Embiid being a minus 10, a six of 21. I mean, the Bucs are going to make it tough on this. I mean, we are absolutely the worst matchup for Philadelphia. Yeah. Absolutely. 
Yeah, the way I, that... we, didn't, we didn't even have Chris Middleton available for this. Or team. or Pat Connaughton. Or Joe Ingles. Yeah, think about yeah, think about all those. I mean, the Bucks. I you add we'll... you add two lethal shooters and a reliable three point shooter and hustle guy to this game on a game where the Bucks struggled shooting. Sheesh. We are Philadelphia's nightmare this year. And we're about to find out, I mean, the Nets defense is fucking horrible. They are literally last in almost every category. <laughs> they're the only thing they're not lasting is is rebounding, I believe, which they're fourth last. <sighs> but, you know, Ben Simmons yeah, you know, two categories the Bucks are regularly in the top five on, but if right, that's what it is. Right, that's the difference Yikes. between between us and everybody else, but the Celtics, because the Celtics still play defense. But yes, the thing about the Celtics, they got big old heads now that they made the finals one time. That's all. I'm we'll say see what that. happens with the Celtics. They you had to do a fist fight with the Raptors. Like, really, bro? Did you see what Grant Williams did? I didn't see what he did. No, I saw that he got suspended today, though. He got he got like a call on him. He was trying to take a charge, and he like slid. And as he was standing up, he was like trying to argue. He bumped into one of the refs, and then as he got tossed out, there was a woman ref. He pointed at her and he called her a bitch. Wow. Keep it classy, Boston. Yeah, James, get your boys. Keep yeah, that's right. I forgot James is a Celtics fan. James, that's the only thing I hate about you because I don't even hate the Red Sox. But I hate the Celtics. I do. I hate the Celtics. Can't stand them. Yeah, that court is I not know. as cool as they say. Sorry. Now they got some. Now they got some Bucks leftovers on their team yet too. Um, this is a good question. This I think this is a fair Ooh. transition. So, Bill asked with Chris coming back, Connaughton and Ingles healing up. Chris and Connaughton are pretty close on their. Um, on their return dates, they're both going to. They're both projected to miss about three weeks. Um, Ingles healing up. Do we still go for Crowder? <sighs> if you can work a deal that this is tough because what it does essentially is it, it forces you to include Grace and Allen. Um, yeah. and you don't get a shooting guard in return. So what it does is it essentially tells you that you're going to be either using two point guards a lot. You're going to have Pat Connaughton playing shooting guard, or you're going to have Chris Middleton playing shooting guard. Middleton. Now, the last one, when it comes to the playoffs, totally fine with Chris Middleton at shooting guard. I actually love that. Yeah. If you run a lineup of, oh, dude, just picture you run a lineup of Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, Jay Crowder, Giannis, and Brooker Bobby, <laughs> that is a massive lineup. Absolutely defense. massive defense and defense. You could also throw Wesley Matthews into that mix or Javon Carter into that mix. Adding Jay Crowder, including a deal like say if we did say we do Grayson Allen and Jordan, or we can't actually can't do Jordan Wara until November until January, December ish. You got to wait three months from his signing date, so it would be yeah. around Christmas that yeah. Jordan Wara could be traded. Merry um, Christmas, you're leaving. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, say they did say they did Grayson Allen and George Hill for, for yeah. Jay Crowder. Yeah. Um <clears throat> you're looking at pretty much right now, Wesley Matthews being your shooting guard. 
Um, you might even have to get Marjan Bochamp, which is another thing we'll talk about in a minute here. Um, and then you're maybe waiting for Pat Connaughton to get back. Um, the longer it takes for a deal to get done, I think the lower the price tag gets. And that's where you could almost get away with doing Jay Crowder for Grayson Allen straight up. Um, the Bucks could do that. They could take it in because he makes about $1.5 million more than Grayson Allen. So that would be less than 25%. So the Bucks could do that. Um, yeah, it just, it, it, it's, it hard. It's really hard to project the shooting guard position if the Bucks do it. I don't know if I want him, bro. I I want him, but it's it's tough to project the shooting guard position with him. Uh, and I'm not saying that it's the whole reason, but I just go back to the Josh Hader thing, and I think about what that did to the locker room and how close-knit this team is. Now, I think the Bucks are built differently because of their leadership is different and there's less players involved. But the Grace thing for Allen's me – and Josh Hader, though. I know. I know. I'm not, I'm not comparing those two players specifically. I'm comparing the – the camaraderie and you know the you know the brotherhood that is this team and i'm not saying that jay crowder wouldn't fit in because he absolutely is a, a pj tucker type player which yep. apparently every bucks fan thinks that we need uh, but we have enough toughness on this team i don't think that we're yep. missing any toughness um yep. plus Giannis is just continuing to get better this year's Giannis is better than the championship Giannis. i firmly believe that i do i oh, really yeah. firmly believe that and Giannis oh, in, the, yeah. in the in the it finals was game, I'll tell you that he was amazing. Oh yeah, the Rocket game that was a whole other story because that man was on another <laughs> planet. <laughs> His he was skyrocketing in that game. Let's just say that. Oh but, look at this guy. <laughs> thought of it on the spot, not very good, but I think <laughs> I think I wouldn't pull the trigger on a guy like that. That's why you know when you asked me that question last week about uh, Jordan Clarkson, I think a Jordan Clarkson is a much better fit just because he's instant offense. Mm-hmm. I don't think we need a guy that can shoot threes and play defense. We have enough of those guys. Right. I really firmly believe that. So I'm not saying that it's a bad idea. If we trade for Jay Crowder, hell yeah, I'm on board with it. But would I do it? I'm not 100% sure. What I will say. So <clears throat> I want to say a couple things. One, on the chemistry aspect of it, Wesley Matthews and Jay Crowder played together in Marquette. So there is some built-in chemistry there. Um, Another thing (laughs) I want to throw out there is, like I said, the longer, the longer a time period goes by, the lower the price tag gets. Um, If we get into a point where Jay Crowder starts, you know, getting antsy and saying, Hey, Phoenix, get something done. Or I want out. And they get into a buyout situation. That's where I think the bucks would definitely pull the trigger. Yeah, James Crowder definitely has gotten better since he was a Celtic. Um, I think he really leaned into his role as a three and D guy. I'll say this: the one reason that I would really love to get Crowder is because I know there's one less buck killer out there that could kill us. Dude, I guy, know. For Even when he was reason, on the Grizzlies, it's like dude just makes a thousand threes. He, like he makes like seventeen threes going into the game. Oh, now he's gonna make eight in one game. All right, that's cool. F me, I guess. Why is this happening? Yeah. He would. It'd be cool if we could get Jaron Jackson Jr. for the same reason, but that dude didn't get paid big time. Yeah, he 
The Grizzlies are fun to watch. Yeah, as we're talking about the Grizzlies, but they're fun. I love Jaron Jackson Jr. If we're talking about like favorite players outside the Bucks, like he's he's up there for me, even though he kills the Bucks. Yeah, he's a stud. I mean, I love um, Morant. Give me some Morant all day. Yeah, one Anthony, of the reasons I love Morant. Nice addition. The one of the reasons I love Morant so much is because he they get uh, Bulls fans so riled up when they compare him to Rose. Like, yeah, he reminds everybody of Derrick Rose, except you. Apparently, for some yeah, reason, whatever. I don't know what that is. Um, I, Matt said he was late because he had to go buy a PS5. <laughs> I mean, that's a good day, Matt. You you can you can miss our podcast for going to buy a PS5. That's a great day. It's it's fun. It's fun getting a new console. It feels like, you know, it's like Christmas time when it happens. Yeah, yeah, man. Christmas game early for Matt apparently. <laughs> hey, nothing wrong with that. I bought a hey, James, if you want to today. switch to being a Grizzlies fan, like we would get it. You know, you already got the built-in geography of it. Yeah, I agree. <clears throat> I mean, you'd also have to be a Titans fan, which would be better than your current team right now. I mean, better than ours, too. Don't take that the wrong way. But Yeah. Well, I would I mean, have... we'll find out on Thursday Night Football. We will. Which There's will probably end time. up being like a 9-6 to six final score or something, you know, oh, the way Thursday God. Night games have gone. <laughs> right. All right, let's go to the Bucks and Rockets game. What did you see from that game that stood out to you? I saw Giannis, and then I saw Giannis, and then I saw Giannis again, and then I saw him do another Euro step and dunk from Giannis. Holy camoly. I'll tell you this. There the it first, is. <laughs> the first thing that I noticed is Giannis gave J- uh, Jabari Smith, that's his name, right? Gave Jabari Smith all of his welcome to the NBA moments. All of them happened in this game. The first one when he did the step through. He had 69 and ones in this game. Dude, he did, for real. (laughs) He did that step through, and he dunked on him. I guarantee Jamari Smith was like, this motherfucker is different. He is different. Bro, he missed four shots. Four. He was getting guarded by four people at one point. Still scoring the damn ball. Yep. Dude, it is ridiculous how good his touches around the rim for how big of a guy he is. And that sounds weird to say because big guys should be able to score. But his ability to contort his body and just do whatever the hell he wants with that basketball down there is insane. <clears throat> we got a couple um, flexes but, in this game. Yeah. Bill, he played 27 minutes and change. Um, Dude, he hit one. It was early in the game where – um. Yeah, he scored 44 points. Was, it was early in the game. I had so many notes from this game because it was just like, oh, Giannis, dirty Euro and one layup. Uh, Giannis, uh, another and one. Giannis, Otto Brook Lopez. Uh, Giannis, oh, Giannis, another and one. Uh, Euro and one dunk. Um, so Giannis, there was Giannis. one. He hit like a high glass layup mm-hmm. and got an and one on it. It's like. Like I'm not saying that this is where he's going, but it was like a Kyrie Irving type layup off the high glass for an and one. At six eleven, that's impossible. And built like a damn truck. That is impossible to stop. Good luck. <laughs> if that dude, okay, if if a Ford F one fifty is doing Ford Mustang things with that type of finesse and speed. And then on top of the power that he has, and then he can just control that enough to get a soft touch layup off the top of the square 
to go in. Dude. I don't give a shit that he can't shoot. I don't care. He doesn't I have mean, to. Two, I mean, he's made three of his – he's 50% on threes, three of six. Yeah. He's hitting mid-range pull-ups. And his jumper's looking more and more smooth every single year. He hit a catch-and-shoot three in this game. Yes. I mean, dude, he's he was everything. And Drew Holiday was good. Yes, I hear he nobody was. bitching and complaining about Drew Holiday. Yep. He was great in this game. Double-double, 19 Almost five like you 10. should wait for a bigger sample size. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> happened with Devin Williams. Did it not happen with Devin Williams? Anthony, you probably remember this. At the beginning of the Brewer season, Devin Williams struggled in the first series against the Cubs. Dude literally had 97 innings pitched in his career and had like a 319 ERA, but he had a 9 ERA in his one inning total that he pitched against the Cubs, and people are freaking the fuck out. Let the sample size get a little bit bigger. Can you imagine what life was like when the newspaper was the only news? <laughs> what was life like? Did people just bitch at each other all day about shit that happened? I bet it was like a lot of swearing at people in the mirror and like <laughs> like spouses in other rooms just hearing guys shouting at the newspaper. Yeah. See, Matt gets it. Matt gets the it. The thing with Holiday is that his offensive game can be inconsistent, but his defensive game never will be. Um, you know, I said it after the first game. You know, he's going to have his two for 15 nights. He's going to have, you know, some three for 12s. He's going to have that just like Middleton will. But he's also going to have, like like this game, he had an 8 of 15. He'll have some some 8 of 12 games. He'll have some 7 of 9 games. He'll have the hyper-efficient games, and he'll have some bad games. Um, so, you know, offensive consistency might not be Drew Holiday's strong suit, but when he's on, he's on. And his step back is so dirty, I can't handle it. Yeah, that's that step back is filthy. Um, so aside from Giannis having ten thousand and ones, what else stood out to you from this game? The Bucks keeping the energy with a big lead—that was mm. something important to me. Um, the Bucks are just up, I believe. I don't want to misquote it, but at this point, they were up either eighteen or nineteen points. And it was, you know, middle, late area in the second quarter. And what do I see Giannis do? He gets in a defensive stance and pulls his shorts up. I'm like, this boy is locked in, bro. He is locked in for 82 games and then winning 16 of those mother effers in the playoffs. He is ready. Yeah. that There is no better leader in the world of sports than Giannis Adetokounmpo. This man is so driven by success, it is, it's almost disgusting. It's almost like, slow down, guy. Slow down. And, you know, he's, he's like any great athlete where he's got to know when it's over, you know, and we're going we're gonna to discuss, you know, I have some great stuff for Friday, by the way. I already have my notes done. I have some great stuff about Aaron Rodgers. But he, he's just so driven by success, it's insane. He's just entering his prime. He's already a five-time all-defensive player. He's already yeah. a two-time MVP, a champion. The only thing he hasn't done really is win the scoring title, which he probably could if he wanted to. Oh, yeah. I if mean, he, he played can... if he played 35, 36 minutes, he'd win it easily. Oh, yeah. But he only but... plays like 32. <laughs> That's so stupid. 
He played 28 minutes, bro, and scored 44 points. <laughs> that is that's dumb. Okay. Yeah. That's dumb. And I agree with Matt. Kobe really yep. left his mark on Giannis, and I love it. Yep. He did. He definitely has the mama mentality. Yeah. And I I've said that about Kobe Bryant that I didn't really like him during his playing career, but I really, really liked what he was doing after. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when it comes to, you know, helping players grow and set goals for themselves and, and instilling mentalities with them and stuff like that. I really like that about Kobe Bryant. Uh, mm-hmm. and Giannis is definitely carrying on that, that legacy of that mentality. And everybody thought it was going to be, it was going to be Irving. Think about that. Everybody thought it was going to be Irving because Irving talks about how much he, you know, he looked up to Kobe and all that stuff. Nowhere near. What would what would Kobe have said to him about missing games? You know, to go to his sister's birthday party. Yeah. Like, what would Kobe have said about this Nets team? Think about it. He'd be disgusted. I don't like yeah, Kobe either for like obvious him. reasons, but he was a great idol for basketball players. I mean, I totally see Giannis mentoring a lot of guys in the future. I don't think Giannis is going to be that guy. I really don't. Honestly. When it comes to Giannis, I think he's gonna be. I think he's gonna be kind of like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, where he kind of hangs out in the shadows, but you see him once in a while, and he's always like, I think he's gonna be really uh, philanthropic. Um, I think Giannis is gonna build up his money in his career, and I think he's gonna give a lot back, um, not only to not only to Milwaukee, but I think he's gonna spend a lot of time in Greece when he's done, yeah, um, and and try to make his home a better place um, because I think that would mean a lot, not only to Giannis, but also to Giannis's family. And I think it would also mean a lot to Giannis as far as his parents are concerned. Yeah. Um, I definitely, definitely. Think so, that. you know, when he's, when I'm sure when Giannis is getting close to being done 10 years from now, um, you know, he'll be thinking about legacy and stuff like that a lot. You listen to the way that Giannis talks. He's really, really, really mature. Um mm-hmm. So I think, you know, he'll talk about legacy and, you know, he's got it on, it's on his shoes um, that I am my father's legacy. Um, He's, yeah, I think he's going to do a lot of stuff for the country of Greece um, in addition to sticking around in Milwaukee because that's obviously where his family is now. But did you, did you see his, um, this is kind of a question for both you, Matt and Tyler. Did you see his uh, interview where he talked about what he wants to do after his career? I'm sure you saw it, Tyler. He talked about how he just wants to disappear. And then he talked about Tim Duncan. He said, where the hell is, where the hell is Tim Duncan? (laughs) Like for real though, where the hell is Tim Duncan? Tim Duncan. I don't know. He's probably wearing shorts somewhere. Man, he just showed up and one day he had dreads. I was like, what the fuck? That's not the Tim Duncan I remember. What the hell happened to this guy? But I think Giannis is just going to disappear, be a family man. He'll just focus on his family, take care of his brothers. Come and talk to the Bucks in training camp before the season and stuff. Yeah. I could definitely see him doing shit like that. Um, but yeah, I think he's just gonna he he just wants to lay low. He's not a limelight guy, which is the hundred percent the reason we don't think he's going to a big city. He's not that kind of guy. He doesn't like that publicity. He is absolutely hundred percent okay if he's competing for titles, living in Milwaukee, which yes, is shocking to people, but He's not American. He doesn't need to live in L.A. He doesn't need to live in New York or Miami. Like, he goes to those places whenever he wants after the season is over. So he can still do that. But I think he's okay playing in Milwaukee and just competing and 
you know, he's a loyal guy, obviously. He's all about family. So I don't see him leaving. I think after his career, he'll probably just lay low. Giannis won't be the guy that's watching games courtside all the time when his career is over. Yeah. And yeah, I know, man. I was just, I was being sarcastic. So <laughs> on the subject of Giannis, um, I have a feeling you have some of the same stats written down that I do. For what? For Giannis. Uh, probably, but I'll let you go first. Go ahead. All right. Cause I have two, I have two big stats about Giannis. Mm-hmm. Um, Matt, hey, I told you, if you're in Wisconsin, let us know. Um, so, two things with Giannis. He is, this is so nuts that he even did this. He is the first player to ever have 40 points and 10 rebounds on 80% field goal shooting, which is just an insane, stupid number, under 30 minutes. Why is that a stat? And why is Giannis the guy to do it? Why is that a stat? 40 and 10 on 80% shooting in under 30 minutes. That's insane, dude. That tells me that he whooped your ass. That's all that's all I heard. He whooped somebody's ass. 40 and 44 and 10 or 40 and 10 and he overdid that cuz he finished with 44 and 13, 12, but yeah. It, for, okay, 44 and 12 in 28 minutes. He needed 28 minutes to <laughs> kick your ass, dude. Think about that. Dude, if he makes his free throws, he drops 50 on you. Easy. Dude, he still could have dropped 50. He could have had um, a 50 ball. And then Giannis is the first player in Bucks history to score 44 points in under 28 minutes. Not shocking. Literally never been done in Bucks history. Everything, everything that's going to happen in Bucks history is going to have Giannis's name next to it. Well, guess what? Giannis has more things with his name on it in Bucks history. <laughs> so... Giannis passed Kareem Abdul-Jabbar for the most field goals made in Bucks history, and Giannis also passed uh, Sidney Moncrief for the most free throws made in Bucks history. Very nice. So, two more things that Giannis is on top of in Bucks history, and he's twenty-seven. <laughs> That's ridiculous, uh, Matt. You literally picked one of the few days I'm not allowed to leave my family because that is my stepson's birthday. So. Sorry. <laughs> All right. So, a couple other things with this game. Um, <clears throat> Grayson Allen had a lot of open looks in this game. He didn't make a ton of them. He is ret- he's retooling his three-point shots. So that is worth noting with Grayson Allen. Um, if he starts knocking those down, he had a lot of open looks. If Grayson Allen is knocking his threes down at a consistent clip, the Bucks will absolutely destroy teams. If we're talking about the Bucks' fifth, sixth scoring option, and he's giving you 12 points by making four threes, like yeah. the Bucks will destroy people. That's one less um, person to help out. Yeah. So Houston cut the lead to six. The Bucks followed that up by going on a 15 to six run. Um, Jordan Wara started this game two for three. Drew Holiday started this game five for five, passing well. He blocked a three point shot which is, you know, worth mentioning because the Bucks three-point defense was a point of emphasis. So he blocked a three. Uh, George Hill was the first off the bench in this game just because Grayson Allen had two early fouls. So people that still hate George Hill for some reason, um, don't freak out. He was only the first off the bench because Grayson Allen was in foul trouble early in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, it took less than two minutes for Drew Holiday to match his field goal 
total from game one. Um, Bucks started this game up 13 to zero. Brooke Lopez was still looking good from three. He started three for three. Um, Brooke Lopez hit a jab step three, doing the world's slowest Carmelo Anthony impression. It was not smooth, but he did. He caught the ball up here. He pulled it down. He jabbed once, and he's like, I should have shot it. I'm still going to shoot it. And he shot it, and he cashed it. So, <laughs> like I said, the world's slowest Carmelo Anthony impression. But he made it, which is the important thing. Um, so at one point, the Bucks have a lineup of Drew Holiday, Javon Carter, Grayson Allen, Bobby Portis, and Sergi Baca. It's a really weird lineup when you think about it. But I can see how it works, though. It still was a plus lineup. And when you get into a lineup like that, that's made up of three small guys, well, Drew Holiday is a decent size. But then you're looking at Bobby Portis and Sergi Baca. And then out of that lineup, Bobby Portis is hitting you, is hitting threes on you. Like, like what do you do? Like, you got three guards out there, two bigs, and then one of the big guys is the one that's hitting threes on you. You say congratulations. <laughs> um, Brooke Lopez, too. Um, yeah, his shooting is is fun to watch. He had a he had a swat and snatch blocked shot in this game like he literally blocked the shot and then pinned the ball on his hip all in one motion yep like he he looks like 2018 brooke lopez yes he does um to get into the second half Giannis, that's where he hit that high glass and one um then he hit a walk up three Giannis just casually dribbles the ball up the floor 18 seconds on the shot clock pulls the three hits it just just turn the lights off and go home. Like, yep. <laughs> that's how it feels. Um, one thing I will say, uh, the Bucks need to work on turnovers, especially when they have turnovers that turn into three-pointers for the other team. Um, Houston did this well. They ended up getting an 8-0 run. Um, and, then, and then Javon Carter kind of got into it a little bit. So he started, I think it was uh, Kenyon Martin Jr. that he was talking a little bit. He was talking a little bit of trash to him. And forces two missed and stole an inbound pass in a three-play sequence. Like, Javon Carter has got the dog in him. Javon Carter is a dog. Yes, he does. Um, So I love watching Javon Carter, honestly. He's so fun to watch on both sides of the ball. Um, I'm excited to see him play a full season with the Bucs. Brooke Lopez ended up finishing this game with five blocked shots. Brooke Lopez absolutely filled the stat sheet for this game. He only finished with nine points, but nine points, three blocks, five rebounds, two assists, and two steals. That's what he does. Dude just filled the stat sheet. He does all the dirty work, man. <laughs> um, see, second half, like I said, Giannis hit a catch-and-shoot three. Um doing back-to-the-basket footwork. Like, Giannis is a modern-day Shaq that can also play outside of the paint and dribble and pass. Mm-hmm. Javon Carter is a P.J. Tucker replacement. That's actually a really interesting thought. Um, hey, that's your sixth man of the year. You got you to gotta post about it, man. That's right. I forgot about that. <laughs> I already. didn't freaking forget. Shit. It's on paper. In yeah, I'm glad you wrote that down. 
You know, Matt, I th- the only reason I would say no to that is just because P.J. Tucker could guard all five positions. Um, you're not going to see Javon Carter guarding Kevin Durant at all. But when it comes to the guy that brings the defensive energy, like in a massive way and a not back down from anybody way, I do like Javon Carter as the dog mentality guy. So I am with that to a certain degree until you get to the all five positions. I want to bring up one more thing. I'm not letting Matt off the hook for Matt picked Purdue to win the game against Wisconsin 28-24. Oh, I'm not letting you off the hook, Matt. Not letting you off. I'm sorry, buddy. You were pretty close on score. Just flip it. And you would have been a genius because we won 35-24. But I'm not letting you off the hook for that one, man. The only thing keeping Javon Carter from winning MVP is on the bench. He's not on the bench. He started. Javon Carter's the fifth starter right now. (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. All right. So Drew Holiday was back to form. Um, He finished 8 of 15, 19 points, 10 assists. He had five rebounds and three blocks as well. Um, Drew Holiday filled the stat sheet. Marjan Bochamp and A.J. Green made their debuts. Now, here we go. So, because I already saw people complaining about Udenholzer not giving Marjan Bochamp minutes in a blowout, we are literally in game two. It is game two of the season, and people are already complaining that Budenholzer isn't giving Bochamp minutes. We are two games into the season. Marjan Bochamp does not know anything about being an NBA player yet. He hasn't done a lot of travel. The Bucs are on a six-game home strand right now. So let, let Bochamp acclimate for a while before saying that he needs to be playing double-digit minutes just because the Bucs are winning in a blowout. We are two games into the season. It is too early to be complaining about dumb shit like this. If it's January and the and Bucks are know- winning a game by 25, yes, then you put Bochamp in for 10, 12 minutes. Game two. Well, Way too early to be complaining. We also that. we also know that we're going to get games where we just sit everybody. We're going to let the young go. That's when you're going to get to see the most out of Marshawn Beauchamp. That's all I'll say yeah. about that. So, way too early to be complaining that he's not getting minutes because we're two games into the season. We are literally less than 3% done with the entire season. Way too early to be complaining. Especially when the Bucs are 2-0. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I already mentioned Giannis having the two milestones. Um, Serge Ibaka, Jordan Wara, and George Hill all added nine points apiece. George Hill added six assists, which which is really good when you consider it. I mean, George Hill, nine points and six assists off the bench in limited minutes. I will take that every single day. Uh-huh. Serge Ibaka added five rebounds to go with his nine points. So you get nine points and five rebounds from Serge Ibaka, the eighth dude off the bench. And then Jordan Wara, he's he's got to cut down his turnovers. He's got to cut them down. If he wants his Christmas present to say, Merry Christmas, you're staying with the Bucks." he's got to cut down his turnovers. You want to know how to fix that with Jordan Wara? You tell him you get, you get three to four dribbles to make a move and decide if you got a shot because sometimes he gets a little, he gets a little dribble happy. Yeah. And it's like, if you see a lane, you pick that and you go, 
You know, you you figure it out in three to four dribbles. If you can't do that, move it. That's how it should be for everybody. But a young guy like Nawara, who's still trying to figure himself out, especially on the offensive side as a playmaker, because we all know yeah. he can shoot. He's not right. afraid to shoot the damn ball. Right. But three to four dribbles, boom, go. Figure it out. I'm with that. So fundamental failures from this game. The Bucks missed eight free throws. Um, they allowed 14 second chance points, which is kind of high, and 16 points off turnovers. That is definitely high. Um, turnovers is one thing you can control. Just don't turn the ball over. Just don't do it. Um, it just it just creates such an easy opportunity for the other team to score going in the other direction. Um, 38 fundamental failure points this game. Um, that'd be about five points above last year's average. Um, but the Bucks still did win this game. Um, a lot in part due to Giannis's dominance. Um, and then Bobby Portis had 13, 13 and eight this game, or was it 11 and eight? Um, it was was 13 and eight. He had 11 in the first game. Um, so really just a a team effort. Everybody that played contributed, uh, Marjan Bochamp even got two points in the game. Um, lefty lay, bro. He looked like Jordan, bro. He did the Jordan leg. (laughs) Um, so I mean, it really, even Wesley Matthews, because I I saw people dogging Wesley Matthews for not scoring, which annoys me because there is so much more to this game than just scoring. Um, <clears throat> so Wesley Matthews didn't score. Um, I had some all oh, written out. Um, he only recorded one rebound. That was really the only stat that he recorded. So zero points, one rebound. He was still plus ten. We get into we get into tonight's game, um, game that starts in about fifty minutes, and we talk about Ben Simmons, his three games, minus twenty six, minus three, minus sixteen, and that dude scores rebounds and assists. Marjan Bochamp, twenty thirty MVP. Hey, we'll 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 be winning titles if we get another MVP on this damn team. So I'm on board with that. Um, <laughs> So for Wesley Matthews to not record any points, only record one rebound, and still be plus ten, dude plays yeah. defense, and he, so he, he still brings a lot to the table, even if he's not scoring. He switches, he talks, he's a great leader on the court. There's nothing he wrong really with Wesley and, Matthews, and he's um, since Bochamp was drafted, like Wesley Matthews has him like under the wing. You... Which is a clever reference because Wesley Matthews went to Golden State and he was a Marquette Golden Eagle. So <laughs> that's true. All right. You got anything else you want to throw out from the Rockets game? No, absolutely not. All right. So I know there's only two games, and you know, there's not a ton of stats to throw out there because everything is basically just going to be the average of two. But if you had to pick two players and an underrated performer for the Bucks power pair, an underrated performer, who would they be? I think my my two players, well, Giannis. Yeah. And then the other one, I probably picked Brooke Lopez. And then my mm-hmm. underrated performer, George Hill. People people talking about George Hill, dogging George Hill. I wanted to pick Bobby, but that would have been a popular pick. And me and you, we do this all the time. We do this every week. So kind of wanted to go a little bit off off the beaten path. So I yeah. think George Hill's been very, very good this year. Uh, you mentioned his stats in the Rockets game. He was also he also didn't miss a shot. He only took two of them. But he was two for two in, in the game against the 76ers playing defense. Obviously, everybody was playing defense and, you know, passing the ball. So he's doing all the right things. Yeah, I also would have gone with Giannis and Brooke for the power pair. Um, I really love the George Hill pick. That's a very 
that's a very fair pick and he's deserving of it because he's played well through the first two games. Um, <clears throat> I was kind of feeling partial to Wesley Matthews just because like I said, you know, despite not scoring still finished plus 10, still making an impact on the game. Mm-hmm. And he was really an unsung hero of the 76ers game. Um, he plays defense in that game too. Eight points, five rebounds and two assists for like your 10th guy off the bench. I mean, the Bucks go like 10 deep. Oh, yeah. And get contributions out of all 10. It's not yeah. just giving guys rest as your contribution. Like, they're giving you stuff. No, I <laughs> um, agree. For Wesley Matthews to give the Bucks eight points in the season opener against a team that's going to be a contender, um, not for a title in my opinion, but for a second-round exit, um, that's, you know, that's still a good team to beat and to perform well against. Mm-hmm. All right, <clears throat> so we'll start with tonight's game. What's next for the Bucks? They play tonight against Brooklyn, Friday night against the Knicks, Saturday night against the Hawks. My family will be there for that game on Saturday night. That'll be exciting. Nice, nice. Um, That's a great game be, to go to, buddy. That'll be Lily's first time in Pfizer Forum. That'll be Layla's first Bucks game ever. Um, mm-hmm. We took Lily to one Bucks game. Um, at, the Bradley. at the Bradley Center. Mm-hmm. Um, and it'll be my first Bucks game at Serve. I've been there for a Marquette game. So, um, so yeah, so it'll be, it'll be awesome. fun. And Courtney's yeah. first game, obviously, at Fiserv. Right. right. Yeah. She went to, yeah, she went to the Marquette game with me. So her and I have been to Fiserv before, but not for our Bucks game. Um, Make sure you bring your kids to the section where they have all the player hands and get pictures ah. with their hands on like Giannis and Brooke and stuff like that. Giannis's sure. hands are just something else, bro. It's like I'm like, what? You make me feel so small, man. Dude, you see all the? Would you see all the promos of Giannis holding a basketball? It's like when we used to play dunk ball and yeah. we play with the little ones. It's like it just looks like he's just gonna go like this and crush it like a soda can. He probably could if he wanted to, but that's scary. Why is his hand so big? His thumb is so long, dude. Crazy. Um, you get to see Trey Young's crappy hair up close. He looks <laughs> like somebody he looks like somebody dropped a Tootsie Pop on the floor. He does. <laughs> he does. Like, I agree with that. I mean, you know, it is what it is. But I know Jake's got some good stuff for the, the Bucks and Nets tonight. Um, all four of these games are home games, the last one being Monday against the Pistons. Um I will let Jake say what he's going to say about tonight, and then Jake and I are going to give a record prediction for the next four games between now and next Wednesday. So I was watching NBA Today, and they did some interesting stuff. So uh, (laughs) he said, literally so gross, just shave it off, LOL. Nobody wants to be a Mr. Clean, okay? And I'm just going to talk. In black culture, hair is like a big discussion. Dude, Javon Carter's bald. I know, but nobody wants to be bald. But he's bald with a beard, though. Now, here's another thing. Before we get too far off the beaten path, every bald guy has a nice big beard. That's a thing. That is actually a thing. And my beard started growing in better the last year, the last year or so. Are you and I'm going hair? bald. I'm going bald. <laughs> I'm like, I ever since I read that meme, I'm like, why is that becoming my life? I don't want that. I don't want that meme to be my life. <laughs> I don't want that. Okay, anyways, back to the Hold NBA. on, hold on. Because we're on this <laughs> rabbit trail now, because we're here, damn it. I, I'm i going to be honest with you. 
I think I'd rather be bald than not have any facial hair. Oh, easily, bro. I go, I go from like a solid three and a half to like a a six with a beard. Like, I'm like a girl looks at me like, not bad with a beard. With no beard, they're just like, yeah, stop looking at me, weirdo. Like, those are the scales that I live in. Like, I feel like I look like much better with a beard. If if I walked into a party without a beard, it'd be like, holy shit, why is that kid so tall? And how did he get in here without his parents? <laughs> oh, I agree with that. That's funny. That's what I look like without a beard. I look like a man child. <laughs> That's fair. Chantel, uh, my girlfriend, I had, I had the beard growing pretty long. And she likes she likes the big long beard, but I'm like, oh, I just hate it. Like you gotta like comb it, and you gotta put like the beard shampoo and shit. Now I'm like, no, nah, not doing that no more. So I shaved it off, and she's like, oh my god, you look like nine years old. I'm like, what nine year old is rocking a beard? Like, come on, now. what nine year old is six five two seventy? Yeah, come on, that's a massive nine year old, and he definitely is getting an offer from Alabama. But that's a story right? for another day. <laughs> My wife's never seen me without a goatee. If she did, she'd run. <laughs> Man, all right, we're here. So I'm going to tell it. Dad, I'm sorry. I love you. One time, my dad shaved all his facial hair off, and me and my brother ran from him. Like, literally, <laughs> Curtis, my brother who's been on the show, if you've been a follower the whole time, we literally ran away from him because we were like, we do not know who you are, stranger. Why are you uh... talking to me? And why do you know my name? <laughs> so, Bill, do not shave off the goatee. Don't uh, do it. Yeah, don't do it. Just keep it. It's Bad just, idea. just keep it neat and you're good to go. Yep. You're good to go. Now, we are going to jump back out of the rabbit hole and we're going to talk about NBA today. So they talked about Giannis and uh Kevin Durant's head-to-head stance. And I was like, it's pretty close. I mean, especially for when Giannis was coming up, KD was already in his prime when he was playing them on the Thunder. So um wins, nine wins for Durant, seven wins for for Giannis. Pretty close. Giannis also has the only playoff series win. Remember mm-hmm. that. So that's very mm-hmm. important. Um, Kevin Durant's stats, points per game, rebounds, and assists. He averages 26.6 points, 7.9 rebounds, and 6.3 assists. Where Giannis is averaging 27.6, 9.4, and 4.9. So they've both been really good. They both can score. They both can rebound. Durant's assist number is actually shocking to me, averaging six assists. So it feels like the Bucks trying to force the ball out of his hands. Exactly. Um, and make like Westbrook or whoever else beat them. Um, Joe Harris or yeah. So then, <laughs> um, then they did a thing where they they picked a clutch performer, the best duo, X factor, role players, and the winner of tonight's game. So for clutch performer. One pick Kevin Kevin Durant, one pick Kyrie Irving. I was like, okay, this is gonna be a dumb segment. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't want Giannis just because he can't shoot a 30 footer. <clears throat> Whatever. Then they said best duo. Uh Tim Legler was one of the people. He picked the Nets duo. And then uh former Badger running back was from Milwaukee. His sister, she was a Stanford basketball player, forgot her name. Um but she was the other one. She she picked the Bucks duo, and she said because they play defense and together they have nine all defensive teams: Drew Holiday and Giannis. That's nuts. That's a, that's nasty. Nine defensive teams between those two. Yes. Cool. So then X Factor, <clears throat> she picked Steve Nash 
And she said Steve Nash has to figure out a way to get them to play defense. That's why I heard about all this defensive stuff, about how they're like basically last in all of them and rebounding their fourth last. So they have zero physicality on that team. And he picked Ben Simmons. I'm like, I'm not mad at either one of those. I'm not mad at either one of them either. And his reasons for Ben Simmons was like, and he was kind of laughing at him for averaging five points per game too. He's like, how are you going to be called a star? How are you going to beg for all this money? How are you going to force your way off a team if you're going to average five points? And he said, to your point, he has to find a way to play defense without fouling. Mm. Because you talked about how he fouled out of a few games already. So then role players, they both picked Bucks. Because the Bucks have better role players. Yeah, that's the Bucks are arguably, and in my opinion, not really close. The deepest team in the NBA. I'd agree with. We're that. We're talking about them going ten deep while three of their their main players are injured. <laughs> Seriously, bro, that's stupid. <laughs> you talk about a team, dude. Just hold on. If you talk about a team, yes, he's followed out twice out of three games so far. You talk about a team that can go thirteen deep, dude. And feel good about it. Oh, my God. You're talking about a team that can play you five on five twice and have three subs. <laughs> Think about that, bro. That's nuts, dude. Yes, that's nuts. So then the last thing, they both picked a winner for tonight. They both picked the Bucks. They picked it at the same time because they knew, um, which is which brought me back to the clutch performer. I'm like, how the fuck do you both pick? But whatever. You both picked the Bucks to win, so I'm not going to complain about it. The Bucks are going to beat the Nets tonight. It's going to be a wonderful thing. And, Matt, that is what's going to be your therapy for the Packers losing. Mm. Um, because when the Packers lost, I lo- I was like, God damn it. I don't get the Bucks until Wednesday, man. I got to live. Dude, I got to live with this back to back on Friday and Saturday, but they went from Saturday to Wednesday. All about the Benjamins, baby. They wanted this matchup on ESPN. That's what it was. That's 100% what it was. I don't care. Nobody's going to change my mind. But. Yeah, Giannis. Giannis should be everybody's hey, therapy. That's that's really that's a really fair thing. Yes, because not only is he, you know, obviously a great basketball player and something great to watch, mm-hmm. but like he's like a legit good person too. Yes. So you can watch his post game stuff and actually get some good stuff to take away for life too. Yes, he's a which is fantastic you know, hopefully what what Jake and I can instill. But we're obviously trying to do that through the lens of analysis and not just post game interviews. We need to get an accent. That's our problem. If we have an accent, people will listen to us. So what if we tried to market ourselves specifically to Wisconsin sports fans not in Wisconsin? So they're like, oh, my God, are you guys Canadian? <laughs> See, we could do that. They say – we'll just say bag after we'll every just, We'll just say, and they'll feel good. like, oh, yeah, the Bucks are going to win tonight, eh? <laughs> Don't you know the Bucks are 2-0 and already? <laughs> Have you seen Splash Mountain's back, eh? Oh, yeah. Hey, yeah, Splash Mountain's back, don't you know? <laughs> Drew Holiday's still great on defense, you know? Oh, God. Just watch uh, just watch the Dahmer show and just start talking like that all day. That was annoying, by the way. We I know. It's like, like dude, why does everybody think we talk like that? We do not sound like that. Just want to well. take some pictures. <laughs> like, nobody sounds like that. All right. Yeah. Anyways, so Bucks and Nets tonight. The game starts in 35 minutes. Um, Knicks on Friday, Hawks on Saturday, Pistons on Monday. What do you think out of four games the Bucks record will be in those four games? Three and one. Three and one? Yeah. Which one do you think they lose? Probably the Cavs. 
or Hawks, I mean, probably Hawks. the Hawks. Sadly, I'm sorry. They have really good guards. Yeah, I mean, I'm really torn because like I'm going back and forth between three and one and four and zero. Oh. I'm only mm. saying three and one really because I don't want to be called a homer. <laughs> <clears throat> there we go. Jared thought Jared says we have accents. What the bloody hell was that? <laughs> That's what people that aren't from Wisconsin think that people from Wisconsin sound like. Yeah. But us being from Wisconsin, we think Canadian people sound weird. Because that's what Canadian people sound like. I think I think I'm gonna go four and oh because they're at home. All four games are at home. They don't have to do any traveling. Um, yes, it's a back to back, but they're all home games. It's not like they have to go and travel after the game. Um, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go four and all just because all four games are at home. Okay, that's. I, I personally, I don't think the Knicks and the Pistons present any challenge at all. Um, I think the Bucks are going to come into tonight energized. They're just going to beat up on the Knicks, beat the Hawks, and then kind of beat up on the Pistons again, and then we're back to Wednesday. So, Jared, I have traveled before, and people have asked me where I'm from, and I literally just tell them I'm from America because it's just so annoying. Like, why does it matter how I talk? You. Bastards. <sighs> Dude, okay. So we're pretty much done. So I just want to bring something up. Um, I, I'm in a lot of groups on Facebook just because I want to be able to interact with people and, and share our stuff. I had, I had a dude who posted in a basketball group about, LeBron James and Russell Westbrook bricking shots because they both airballed shots in a game the other day. Mm -hmm. uh, I want to know, and anybody in the comments can answer me, have you ever heard an airball called a brick? No. What is a brick to you? When they shoot it and it either hits, it just clanks like it hits hard off the rim like off the back of the rim if it hits hard off the backboard it hits off the side of the backboard that's what a brick is yeah james said the same thing it's like like a ball that hits hard off the rim that's a brick dude googled one source that said an air ball was a brick and literally like the next 900 sources all say that the brick is a shot that bounces hard off the rim See, I think back of the rim too, like those line drives, like yeah, when you the can bump tell when straight back to the shooter. That's why they tell you to yeah. follow your shot. Yeah, Th those ones that are just like you could hear it hit the rim. It's just like that was a brick. <laughs> yeah, it just baffled me that the dude was like, "Dude, you don't even know what you're talking about. Air balls are bricks." I'm like, it reminds me of that one guy that didn't know what a treble was. Like, <laughs> yeah. I just wanted to bring that up because it absolutely baffled me. The dude was like confrontational about the fact that I'm like, airballs aren't bricks, dude. They're literally two different things. <laughs> it was, it was really weird to me that the dude was like so defensive about it too. The only thing that they're synonymous about is that they're a miss. That's about it. <laughs> I, I still can't wrap my head around that. I'm like, I've never heard a single person called an airball a brick ever. No, I've been playing basketball for a long time. 
Me too. I've been around a lot of different basketball venues, events. I've never heard somebody call an air ball brick. No, you call it an air ball, air ball. That's what it is. Yep. All right. Well, with that, do you have anything else? No, man. I'm uh, looking forward to the Bucks destroying the Nets. Yeah. And uh, Bucks and six. Hopefully, the Badgers can have a good, healthy bye week, and we will see you all on Friday. See, Jared's from Australia, and he hasn't even heard that. Thank you, Jared. All right, so next Wednesday we'll be back. We'll have more Bucks games to talk about. We'll have a Badger preview, not a recap. And we'll also have our Badger basketball primer next Wednesday. Um, Friday night we'll be talking about the Packer game, um, the recap and the preview. We're going to talk it out. We're going to hash it out. We're going to find positive takeaways, ways to improve. We're going to discuss it all. So um, stick with us on Friday night, and I will see you on Friday. Yep. See you later, buddy. All right. Thanks, everybody, for watching and commenting along. Yes, sir. Thank you. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.